Welcome everyone to another program with your host Mordechai Weinberger and Avnissen joining us on jrootradio.com. It's yes. your question and answer program where you can ask any psychological question, age appropriate, yes. and also parenting questions above the age of eight, as well as to please ask your questions in English. We'd like the questions in English. Due to last week's program, uh, someone has made a recommendation that when you call in, please be aware that sometimes yes. the answers might not go as you'd like. And if you find okay. yourself like as a more sensitive person, please be aware that I try to be as gentle as possible, but sometimes it might not be as gentle as you would like. So therefore, feel free to call. And those of you that listen, I am me, trying to do the best of me that can be, whether I'm listening over here. And I appreciate every question, every caller that we've got. Now, the number to call in is 718-683-5858. That's 718-683-5858. And if you'd like to text a question, which generally we take the live callers, but for your message, you can text the question or message at 347-927-8398. That's 347-927-8398. So, Ravnison, I think we've got a couple of callers. Yes, okay. Uh, so, we have uh, Esti. Esti. You're on with Mordechai, and listen. Listen, you can talk. Hello? Yes, hello. Hi, this is Esther. Okay, Esther. Hi, um, um, I have a little problem that I'm somewhat scared to go to school because I have a strict teacher. Yeah. So, it's just like... What? Okay, so what you're saying is you're scared to go to school because you have a strict teacher, right? Yes. How old are you? Nine. You're nine. So when you, last year, how was your teacher? She was very nice. She was very nice. So you're used to a nice, easygoing teacher, right? Yeah. And now this year you have a more strict teacher. Right. And that scares you a little, right? Can what? I take a guess that your parents are both very, very nice parents? Yeah. That's right. So now what happens is you're used to nice people and people that talk about, I love you, you're so nice, you're so sweet, and if you make a mistake, it's okay, and we'll try again, we have to learn how to do it, like do it better, but we shouldn't. You know, they speak nicely. You're not used to someone that says, sit down now. I'm disappointed. There are going to be assignments, or whoever makes a mistake is going to get punished, right? Right. Now, let me ask you something. Do you know what's the beauty that Hashem does for each and every one of us? What? Yeah? You know what's something that Hashem does that's amazing? What Hashem does is, He has each and every one of us to be special, and each and every one of us to be different. That means there are different styles of people. Some people talk very nice, very gentle, very loving, and some people talk very energetic, so excited, and some people talk strict. Now, if we just have one type person, then everyone's going to be the same. What Hashem does is, you know, like so many different types of trees and so many different types of colors of leaves and everything, what we want to notice is that everyone is special. Now, what we need to learn how to do is we want to learn how to get along with everyone. So if you're a gentle person, right, and you're yeah. like sweet, and your teacher is strict, or your teacher is, let's say, a little tough, it doesn't mean that she's bad. It doesn't mean that she doesn't like you. It just means that might be her way of doing things. Does that make sense? Yeah. So now my question to you is, what can we do to help you that there could be some strict people 
And you should be calm and safe. So if your teacher would yell or give punishment, what can we do that you would be relaxed and happy and comfortable? Um. How about if, you know, every time your teacher yells and screams, I'm so angry at the class. Really what she's saying is the class is doing very good. It's just that I want the class to do a little better. Oh, I see. Let's see. So imagine you have an interpreter when she goes, whoever speaks next is going to get an assignment. And your head, your teacher says, girls, please everyone sit down calmly. Please let everyone be nice. If you can't translate what she's saying, because when you speak to her, that's really what she is saying. Yeah. Yeah? What does that mean? Um, yeah. Can you imagine that? Can you tell me what yes means? Um, Would you be more relaxed now? Yeah. Good. Now let's add on to that. Can you imagine that whoever is a teacher or a Rebbe, they all really like you? That's the only reason why someone would ever become a teacher or a Rebbe, because they want to give Yiddish a kindleloch, they want to give Jewish children a place where they can teach Hashem's Torah. Do you think a mean, bad person would want to do that? No. No, right? Why would someone want to do that? What? Why would someone want to become a teacher? Why would they want to become a teacher? Why would someone want to become a teacher? Only to teach. That's to right. Teach That's right. Now, let me ask you something else. Can you close your eyes and imagine that when the teacher is yelling or she's being mean or strict, she's really saying, girls, I love each and every one of you. And that's why I became a teacher. How does that feel? It feels like, I don't know, it just like feels a little funny. I know, it's very funny. Let's add on one more part. Are there girls in your class that sometimes need to be yelled at? Or I don't want to use the word yell. Let's use the word to them. Right? Yeah. Right. Now imagine the teacher is going to try to say, girls, please sit down. Everyone open up the book or open up the chumash. And would those girls take it? Um, maybe. Maybe, but chances are that sometimes they wouldn't do it, right? Right. That's right. So if this teacher st speaks strict, she might just be speaking strict to those other girls, but because you're raised in such a gentle and loving house, you feel she means you. Right. So could you imagine also now how the teacher says, I don't mean Esty. I mean those four girls that need me to speak that way. Can that would be like... Well, strange. I know. Try that. Close your eyes and imagine how your teacher is saying, I'm talking to these three girls, so we'll call them Rifki, we'll call them Shira, we'll call them Henny. I'm talking to Rifki, Shira, and Henny, but I'm not talking to Esty. And then she says, sit down now. Take out the books. I'm going to count to three. I want to see everyone sitting. How is that? That's like a little like more like I would feel more calm like that. I would feel like more like sort of like more loved. 
sort of. That's right. It is more love because now the teacher doesn't mean you. And she chances are, do you think she really means you if she says sit down and you're sitting or she says to take a safer and you take it? She probably doesn't. That's right. So what we want to do is we want your mind to recognize that she doesn't mean you. She doesn't. I get it. Excellent. Esty, thank you for calling in. You're so brave to be a nine-year-old and to call up. Thank you. Okay, bye. Have a good night. Bye. Excellent. Harav Nissen, who do we have next? We have another Esty. We have another Esty. We're going to a second Esty. Esty, you're on with Mordechai and Nissen. Hello? Okay. Esty, are you on? Hello? Mm-hmm. All right, it can happen to get to see some of the Okay, let's go to someone else then. Yeah. Oh, wow. So we have three Estes. We're going to another Esty. Esty, you're on with Mordechai. Hello? Yes. Hello, thank you. Um, my question is I'm a 10-year-old son. That He has times that he would ask me, like, quite a few times during the day, Mommy, you like me, you like me, you like me. And I would reassure him again and again, I love you. And I know he's such a type of child, so I would, like, make sure to give him that extra love and that extra hug and that extra kiss during the day a lot. Yeah. My question is, is something deeper that's missing, or it's just, like, a reassurance that he needs? Well, why wouldn't we ask him? What do you think you would say mm-hmm. if you ask him? Is he around he, the he would tell me. I just, he would tell me I just like to hear it. Okay. Well, then why do you think someone needs to hear something? Remember, as in therapy, we don't just listen to the words they say. We also look at their behaviors, and we ask, is this mm-hmm. something that people do? Or we even then stop being inquisitive on a deeper level. Why would someone mm-hmm. ask this? Why would someone want to hear all the time? I guess he's not sure. Yeah, that's right. Now, what can we do to reassure him? So let me ask you, did you have a, a simcha? Did you have a baby recently, or did there's something family going on? Like a happiness? No. Okay. Because one of the important... It happens more in a time, you're right. When there's a little something going on, I can see it happening. We had a little tough time going on. That That's I right. saw like it was happening more. That as it calmed down, the crisis, it was like it also got calmer. That's right. So one of the ways that I've heard, and we've mentioned it several times, like from Dr. Abraham Tversky, and that is he says, children spell love... The L-O-V-E, also with the Mm -hmm. four-letter word, but it's spelled T-I-M-E, time. That's why when many times a baby is born and also the mother is busy holding a newborn baby, or there's a simp for the family, a wedding, and now there's a new son-in-law, daughter-in-law, or an uncle comes Mm -hmm. to town, all of a sudden the the parent is spending more love, T-I-M-E, with the other one than the children are feeling less. And what we want to do is we want to give them the reassurance. We want to spend the time with them, or we might even want to just touch them. Like, just put a hand on their shoulder. You know I love you. Or that hug. You know you're still so special to me. Just those little mm-hmm. reminders, and that's preventative medicine. Mm-hmm. So if you're aware now that your son is not really asking for love, he's just asking for the reassurance that you're there, that we're still there, that he's you're uh, still important. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. Just, and it's okay. that simple. Just remember... a. Boys at any age, means even 40, 50, 70, and 80, all need the recognition. All need to know that they're important and they're loved and they're cared for. At any age, people have this misconception that only girls or women need it. Absolutely not. 
No, that's right. I know boys need it, but I, I just couldn't figure out like why he's like so. Uh, it's, yeah. And, uh-huh. and if okay. he ever does that and there's nothing going on in the house, then you can make an assumption something might be happening in school. Nothing major, but he might not be feeling that important. Or there might be a brother that's being more successful than him, and again, he's trying to follow up and to verify that he's still being loved. Mm-hmm. So is it like that it's a, it's like he's looking at it like as his confidence is being affected, like so he like, turns like it's still intact? Sorry, say that again? Is it more like that he's lacking, like also like a little confidence if it's like someone is taking his place or something? It, and he's it not could sure. be, but it's also normal. How will you feel if you're at the Shabbos table and you normally cook all the food and you're getting all the compliments and all of a sudden you have a sister-in-law that shows up and she makes a main dish and everyone starts talking about that main dish. So I call confidence when the person feels empty all over and all the time and many things trigger them and many things hurt them. But if it's like at seasonal times... It might be a confidence issue, but again, if you told me he was 16 years old, it would be different. When you tell me 10 years old, they're still, 10 years old, they're still developing. Right. Rav Nissen, what do you say to this? You called me on the, the spot, you know, that's, as, as you said, you know what, uh, criticism, and uh, it could be very uh, built, and sometimes we see that many times... People are, you know, saying the wrong, as you said, about the, the sister-in-law or somebody coming, that we feel neglected, you know. And, uh, you know, I think that it's, first of all, for a 10-years-old boy, it's very natural to, to seek more love and for attention. As, as you said before, it could be that in the school somebody bothering him and he wants to get reinforced from the mom and stuff like this. could be even that, you know, the father is a little bit tough on him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is how that, as brother... So, but this is very normal, I would say, that, uh, that kids like this ask and just, you know, give a good word to him. Uh, and if he sees something that is and, yeah, usually there's giving a, a you know, blink in the eye, something like this, that he will feel that he's existing, is in a new neighborhood, let's put it like this. I see, I see. Okay, thank you very much. Yep. And just I remember, appreciate also, it. physical touch goes a long way. It means you could just tap his shoulder and then you won't have to say anything. Mm-hmm. Physical touch mm-hmm. is like a glut on the cheek or just on the face. Just touch, and it's amazing what it does. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thank you. And thank you. Sure. We have Azriel is uh, from the last uh, show. Is oh, Azriel from last show. Yes. Hello. How are you? Baruch Hashem. Better than last week. Oh, really? Actually, doing fantastic. A lot. Be- oh. Okay. I say a lot better. Really, last better. week was also great, actually. So. Uh, yeah, Baruch okay. Hashem. I always say the Rebbe Shlaim is so much kinder to me than I am to him. He's really giving me amazing days, Baruch Hashem. I try to, re- I try to reciprocate just a little, but uh, yeah, go ahead. Okay, I'm glad to hear. Okay, so we discussed last week my question that when I have to deal with more assertive or more angry people, like it's very hard for me, I'm getting scared and this kind of things. And I connected it back, like, what is my biggest fear is that maybe this guy will get so mad at me, so angry, he will hit me. And we go deeper in that maybe I connected to my past, maybe my teachers in school. Like, I remember when they were angry, 
they used to hate me, so maybe this is the fear when I, whenever I have to deal with people, I'm scared they're going to hit me or with anything. This is my fear. Good, and let's take it to two more places. What about with friends? Did you have times, let's say, when kids were either bullying you or, or trapping you or were you afraid to say something because they might attack you? No. Okay, <clears throat> what about at home? I don't want you to answer the details, yes, like who, but is it possible you had one of your parents that could sometimes get angry, but like explosively angry? Not angry, because angry every no, parent gets angry. No, okay, no, so the no, main no, no. fear, so you might be similar to that first call that we had the girl Esty, where she comes from a very gentle family, and mm -hmm. but all of a sudden being in school, where the teachers have different personalities and they might be very tough or very strict, it might have affected you, correct? Okay. Okay. So it's interesting because many people don't know this, and I'm glad you bring it up. And that is, I find children in school, especially those that are emotional children, what happens is when a teacher or Rebbe will yell, when a parent will yell at someone else, when a Gabi and Shul, because I worked on that also pretty recently, a Gabi and Shul could yell at people, a very gentle emotional soul is so worried that they're going to yell at him, and the reason why I even suggested to that girl, like, would they ever yell at you? The answer is no, because I had the father, like, speak to the Gaba, and the Gaba goes over to the son and saying, you're the most amazing kid, I would never yell at you. Just hearing that <clears throat> relax them. But how emotional children goes, whatever we see, we think it goes straight to us. And we might not <clears throat> feel protected if we're not taught that protection. Exactly how I feel. Exactly. Whenever we see a strong person, first thought, hey, maybe this guy can attack me. That's it. Now, let's understand what you're saying. And let's take it into more clinical terms. That means, logically, with your DAS, on the cognitive level, you know they're not going to hurt you. You know their mm -hmm. words almost can hurt you. You're an adult now. And you would think, what's right. the big deal if they call at you? Hey, you're crazy, you're stupid, you're poor, you're tall, you're short. You're blonde hair, you're black hair, right? What's the big deal? You know now, and I know now, that words don't really, don't have a power over us physically, do they? No. No. But unfortunately, we all know the power of words that is even stronger than hitting. Right? You're still trapped in the prison how many years later? Many, many years later, correct? Maybe 10 years. Yeah, maybe 10 years later. Rav Nissen, do you agree with this? Yeah, no, 100%. Yeah. It's 100%. Now, what I would ask you, Israel, is can we try a little bit creative ideas? There are two ways of doing it. We can do the cognitive therapy. And cognitive is to tell you that when you get those feelings, to understand that feelings are just feelings. And when the mm -hmm. thought comes to say, I know these are feelings, but I also know it's not true, so let me go ahead and push myself anyhow. In fact, these people might even want to be my friends. So when you get that thought, you'll say, it's just a thought. And the mind sends messages all day. So cognitive therapy would be, how can you fight that feeling to say, I know I'm having it, but that's not what I'm focusing on. Can you do that? This will be hard for me, but last week you started another thing, and I, and I think about it the past week. Yes, what? Like, if I'm connecting to this specific scenes in my that's right. that's what I was going to go to now now we're going to go to the next part that I really do all day and that's I'm a huge believer in the subconscious and that is what image, what feeling what thought, if that person will be with you that bracha, that sadik, anything will be with you, you will feel always like in a safe cocoon 
the safe protective barrier, the shield. And I think about it is, and my question is that if I know that Hashem is with me, and this guy want to hit me, his hand will be frozen. Yeah. This is uh, like a major security. Like he, he, will, he, will, he will not be able to do me nothing because Hashem will freeze his hands. So imagine you have the Rabbi Nishlon sitting right by you. Because mm-hmm. the truth is he does. Every single one of us that is alive, the Rabbi Nishlon is keeping us alive. Right. The Rabbi Nishlon is right there. And anyone that gets close to you, bzz, their hands get frozen. The right and okay. the left hands. And if you want to make it creatively, you could even do their feet. Somehow their knees just like lock up. Okay. And the more creativity you can place into this image, the more you, the easier you will feel. How does that feel? Imagine that now first being a kid. Take it as a kid. And you're in class. And the malama that yells too much, either you feel safe because it doesn't bother you. And if it bothers you, his lips start turning to stone. <laughs> You hear the clipping of the lips. I'll tell you, like, the thing that relaxed me is that, like, imagining, like, he tried to hit me, he tried, like, he put it, he, he, he pushed his hand, and it, it gets stuck. Yeah, he see that. move it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yes, I'm seeing it. He's angry, he's getting red, but mm. <laughs> this is it. That's right. How safe do you feel as a kid while this is going on? I feel relaxed. I feel the rebellious learns with me. And this rabbit can do nothing. Great. And now I would like you to try the same thing now in present time. So see yourself working, see yourself learning. And if anyone is going to do anything, see how safe you are. The Rabbi is right there. Okay. How does that feel? Feel relaxed. Feels calm. Feel, give me the security. Whenever I'll have to go somewhere, I'm going to have a tough man or angry man. If this guy tried to hit me, his hands will freeze, and if he can start to scream, he will like like makas That's it. See the It becomes palpable. See that. Feel that. Close your eyes just mm-hmm. for a minute now, and tell me how does it feel inside? How's your chest feel? Do you feel safe? Do you feel confident? Yes. Do you feel protected? Yes. Excellent. And I'm trying to imagine different figures and. That's right, different scenarios. So now we're going to go, and please call us up next week and share us how the feedback goes. However, continue doing it. As we hang up, I want you to continue visualizing it in different places. Okay. And allow your mind to be creative that after you finish freezing up their hands, maybe you'd like to do something else. Like maybe you'd like to put a little fire under their feet, you know, they they can't yell, you know, they get busy with something else. Or someone tickles them in the middle of yelling, they start getting tickled. Be very creative. Okay. Okay, thank you for calling in, and thanks for having me. Thank you very much, I really appreciate it. My pleasure, and siyata deshmaya. Okay, bye. Okay. We have Nechama on air with Mordechai and Nisim. Hello, Nechama. Are you on? Um, is it me that you're asking? Yes, it's you. Well, we're hearing you. Oh, okay, I, I'm Javi. Javi? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. No, it's fine. I wasn't sure. Okay, I have two questions. I don't know where to start. But... Let's start with one, and then we'll do that, because we got a lot of people on, and oh, I've okay, got to fine. request, like, try to keep it to, like, five minutes and under a caller, so this way we can get more people, and people are cooling okay. in, so, mm-hmm. Okay, now, first of all, it's the first time I'm listening to this line. I wanted to come on a few times. 
and I was really impressed with the answers you gave for the first few people. Thank you. So I'm, I'm getting courage to ask my question. Thank you, and I daven for siyata deshmaya, and if my answers are a little too tough, please don't take it personal. It's not personal. <laughs> okay. And also, I daven that I should have the right words to ask. Um, Amen. I, yes. Okay. I have, a, I have a family member that she, she's it's a close family member. She's much older than me, but whatever, we're very different, but she... It's it's very complicated, <laughs> but she she's making a simcha this year, and she expects like help. Yeah. And she and she keeps saying it in many ways or others. We all have those family members or friends. Yes, we all know someone like that. Yeah. Okay. Right. So she expects a lot of help. So since it's not the first um, what's it called simcha that she ma- she's making, I have experience with her already. Yes. So. The first time she made a simcha, or the first few times, I really helped her a lot. And I used to get, like, comments from her, okay, here, take $100 and forget you did me a favor. Or she would tell me, um, let's say, she would tell me, yes, you did me this favor because this is what you like to do. I really needed something else. Yes. Or she would, I'm just, you know, those are the two things that, that I remember on the top of my head. Yes. And now she's me, and then it came to a point, let's say, when I have little, I have a lot of little kids. And it came to a point that I came that I realized that it's too much for me. I'm going out of my way to help her, and then she makes me feel bad about it. So I, like, decided that it's not so important for me to help her so much. Well, let's rephrase your words. You decided that it's safer and better for your relationship for you not to help her, and this way both of you remain friends. Okay. Is that what you're saying? Um, sort of. Sort of. Okay. Okay, but now she's, she's like making a simcha again. And sometimes she wants to come across as, like, I do need, I don't need, she doesn't want to be demanding. Like, she, every time, something else. Yes. And let's say, if I offer her something, she tells me, I don't like it. It's not a good one. And then if I don't offer her, she says, she tells me, you're not helping me. So I'm, like, stuck between what should I do? Should I help her? Yes. Or should I not? Excellent question. But there is something to it. I always help everybody. That's, and she knows it. You didn't have to do that. We could have told you that, by the way. <laughs> Let's go ahead and share with your question the way I hear it. Yeah. All right. I'm a great, good person, and I, don't, I know you won't say I'm so great, you'll think of Yochasroinus, but let's just do this way. I'm a nature where I like helping people, and I want to help them partially because I like the mitzvah, partially I feel good when I help, and partially because I like when I help others. It means I like when they finally get help. Yeah, but when true. I help a person that doesn't appreciate it, it doesn't get better, and many times they even want to get helped in ways that I really don't want to give it, now I'm stuck because I'm trapped that I have to help, but the criteria for me to help is I like to feel good about it and I want them to get better. But if I'm not feeling good and they're not appreciating it, then I don't want to help, but I don't know how to say no. Is that your question? Also, yeah, it makes, it makes a lot of sense. <laughs> That's right. So we've got a program on my phone line, that, that one that we do a little initial with my father, and there's one called Codependence. I don't remember the numbers offhand now. So that's in two ones. Oh, here we got it. Great. Listen, thank you. So we've got over here a program number nine in section one. So that's 718 298 2011. 718 
Yeah. And there's a section one where I've got about our shiurim, which are concepts in psychology as well as makairis. Everything is brought down the makar to an Yiddishkeit. So program number one is about codependence. Mm-hmm. There's a better one I'd like to recommend, and that is program number seven. How to embrace differences in business, relationship, and marriage. That's about when we marry people from different systems, from different styles, how do we work it out? Because your relative might not be so mean. They might not be meaning to say that I don't like you and you're not good. All they might mean to say is that I needed more and thank you for what you've done. And you're being that you're more the emotional, personal type nature, you took it as a complete slap in your face. And that is more a communication issue that I do that right and left in my private practice where someone delivers, sends a message saying like, you know, why are you late? And the person says, you see, I come home. The husband says, I come home from work and all you have complaints. And then the wife says, no, 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 sorry. Let me tell you what I meant to say. I meant to say, thank you for coming home. Thanks for bringing all the money. Thank you for helping me out during the day. <coughs> but you said you'll be home at 7 o'clock. And I, made a, I told someone I'm going to go out with them at 7.15 walking. And when you came home at 7.45, there was a whole problem. And the husband <laughs> says, if you would have said that, thank you for everything you've done, then... I would have understood and you would have said that you made walk, you made up to go walking with your friend at 7.15 and when I came 45 minutes late, you had to apologize and it's the second time I'm doing it. What happens in our communication that I see over and over is we just don't put in enough words in our sentences. All of a sudden, we get to be extremely cheap on words. Mm-hmm. And that is what I would say is a bar- big part of what I hear going on. And that's what goes into that program of number seven about how to identify the different people, the different natures that are mm-hmm. out there and how to really make it work. Okay, that's, thank you. I can even recommend one more program, and that's program number 20. And that is the biggest mistakes in communication where I focus on these details and how to do it, some of the basic tools. Oh, that's nice. Yes. So number seven, number nine, and number 20. They're our shiurim, so good luck. Okay. Thank you. Mordechai, let me ask you something. Yes. Okay. You never had a person that really never ever satisfied with your help. Ah. This is really something, you know. Well, we had last (laughs) week. (laughs) But you're right. We'll find one. But But also, I'm sorry for interrupting. Um, There was one little something that came up, like that I'm thinking now, is that besides for all of it is that she also keeps complaining to me that she still needs this and still needs it. And somehow, right. I don't know why. Now, what would happen? Hold on. Com- Let's stop a second. What happens if we could translate her words? Thank you so much for everything you've done. I don't mean to put the guilt on you at all. I am just overwhelmed because there's still so much more I need to do. Could you just listen to me complain but don't do anything? How would you feel mm-hmm. if she would have used those words? Yeah. <laughs> I find such... Again, I do a large, a lot, I shouldn't say a large, but in, I do many different types in the private practice and many times family sessions in Shalom Bayes, you just add on those words and it's amazing. I have the cutest story. Many, many years ago, I worked on a couple Shalom Bayes and the husband and the wife were talking and the wife was telling the husband, Lichodoidi. And he's going, what does that mean? She says, you know, Ashkenaz don't do it, but the Sephardim do. You know, Lichodoidi, when you're singing Friday night and you sing the song, she says, you say it, blah, 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 blah. Or you could like sing it with your heart. She says, I want when you speak, put in that heart, put in those extra words. Don't be cheap on the song. Sing it. You know, you might find that people say words, but their thoughts don't come out complete. Mm-hmm. 
So you might ask her, one of the ways for you to get the reality check is you could tell her, so when you're telling me now there are things to do, you tell me you want me to do it all after I helped you with all this? And she'll say, chas v'shalom, no. Or she might say, not everything, but just a little bit. And then you can see, oh, the little bit makes sense. You won't look at her as someone that's just never happy with what you give. <laughs> so try adding on words that you think she's saying. However, I hear your brain saying, but I'm afraid. <laughs> you're afraid to be open and to confront the words because maybe she'll say yes I really want you to do everything and then you're stuck because you feel trapped how are you going to say no mm-hmm. all I can tell you is this is the story of every relationship that I have including with my wife and marriage you know we use certain words and we assume it's clear and all of a sudden there's this argument coming across and goes something we got lost over here lost in translation <laughs> or, listen, is it just me <laughs> this is a definite note, but I'm saying that we always find the complainer and the worst, you know, just try to, uh, I, I try to avoid them and just try to, as you say, to diffuse them yeah. from this kind of uh, yeah. stuff, you know, because certain people as as the, the negativity in their blood somehow. Yeah, oh, oh yeah, yeah, I, I, want, I had something recently where I was like, I don't know which one of my kids, if it was like, do you want ices or like the blue ices and the pink ices? And all of a sudden they said, I want the purple one. I go, I don't remember offering purple. And they go, where's the purple one? And you said ices and I want purple. I said, okay, I meant pink or blue, but not both, not purple. Like, so this is a very common point. If we can learn to express our words, put in more words, if you feel the communication or the understanding is not what you had in mind, just, just repeat the words. So you're asking this. Is this what you mean? Do you really want me to do more after I just did all that today? Or do you realize that I have, my kids are coming home so I can't help you? And they'll go, oh, I wasn't even talking to you. I didn't even mean you. I just needed to vent. <laughs> I know I can do that sometimes with my wife and sort of tell her, now Now I don't want you to be anyone that takes anything personal. I just need to talk. So <laughs> I don't mean you. I don't want you to try to fix it. Don't tell me what I did wrong. I just need to talk now. And I have okay. one or two friends I do the same with them. All right. Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you. By the way, Mordechai, thank you. Uh, sure, thank you. Your son wanted both of them because if you mix together, it will be purple. Very nice. <laughs> Good. <laughs> You're right. Okay. Uh, we thank have you. Esty online. Okay. Um, by the way, nice. I like this message that we got over here. Attention, Mordechai. Thanks for the wonderful show. The mood is great. Thanks for your cheerful enthusiasm and patience. We're glad to hear you this way. Keep it up. Attention, Nissen, as always, thank you for your wonderful input. I love your simple advice. Hashem should bench both of you with life that's good, and you should be able to see that's good. Thanks. Amen. By the way, Nissen, you know, I get messages all week, and I'm getting messages from people. You were in a better mood last week, in a lesser mood, more stressed last week. So I appreciate it because it happens to be because of those messages I was thinking this week. I felt in a great mood last week, so let me project it. So I appreciate That's why I'm reading it because a lot of people send me the moods during the week. And even my daily questions and answers that I have, and I have like a daily motivational quote. Sometimes people tell me you didn't have enthusiasm in your motivational quote today or the question and answer you must have had. And it's, it's interesting to see. So thank you. And this is not making fun of you. I mean this honestly and serious. Um, so thanks. All right, who do we have next? Esti. Esti, you're on with Mordechai and Nissen. Hello? Hello. Okay, hi. So I have one question. A lot of times when I go to my grandmother, there we have a lot, a, lot, a lot of aunts and, and, you know, kids. 
and grandchildren. So um, when, when I go there, I so, sometimes there's not, not enough chairs, and uh, children have to, to stand. And a lot of my aunts, or just they, they stand, and I want want to sit. But a lot of times I feel like okay, like I have to stand up because I, you know, it's just a practice of manners. Right, respect, I, mitzvah. Yes. Yes. And I stand up, and then all the other kids, like younger than me, sit, and I feel like I'm feeling of like I'm such a baby. Like I, I have, I have to stand up, and all the, all these younger kids have to sit. That's right. I want to do it. I want to do it, but I just feel like a feeling of I'm just a baby. Like I'm just nebby. I wouldn't even want to use the word the baby. Can we put a different word? Because I feel your question is very valid. Let's first identify the feeling. Isn't the feeling like used? Well, like you're always the carbon. You're always the victim. Everyone gets to sit, and you're always the one that has to give away from yours. Correct. Yeah, like such a feeling. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. right. And let me first tell you, there's a big. Halacha, I'm not going to go into it, but when we do tzedakah, there's a shear as to how much. The Torah is always about telling us that to everything there is a, a shear, which means Shabbos. Isn't that such a great day, such a big mitzvah to be Shemir Shabbos? Yeah. yeah. But what happens if we'll have Shabbos seven days a week? If you hold Shabbos on Sunday and Monday and Tuesday, that's not right. You don't get schar. In fact, it's even not. And the same as if a guy wants to watch Shabbos, guy Shabbos is chayiv miso. A guy is not allowed to watch Shabbos. There's a time for it, and there's a per- and people are supposed to do that. Now there's a big mitzvah of giving up your seat and having an elder sit, and especially to family members. But at the same time, it has to be balanced that your needs are also taken care. So there's a gemara in Bab Matziah we've mentioned several times that there's a mitzvah that if someone needs help. There's Ozef Tazev, there's a mitzvah that we should help an animal and help a person carrying. But the Mishnah says, if that guy says, you know what, I'm going to take a lot of paper, I'm going to take a lot of heavy bags, and people are going to see me schlep, and they all have to help me, so I don't have to do anything. Because he has a mitzvah. So the Torah says, the Mishnah says, Ozef Tazev Imoy, you have to help Imoy with him. Only when he is schlepping, then you help along. But not that you have to do everything for them. What's important for you is what I'd recommend because to stand up, I'll be honest with you, I find it very disappointing today's generation. I was on the train about two months ago and I saw older people standing and I saw young teenagers and young kids and no one stood up. And it's a generational gap. So I'm not talking about now from Yidden, I'm talking about just in general in the world. And I do see it in shul. I go to shul and sometimes you see an older person comes in and there aren't enough chairs and... I don't want to be Makatrik, but the young generation isn't getting up. And I'm thinking to myself, where are the parents? I know, and my son can testify to this, just this Shabbos, he sat on my lap because there was an older person. So I came to shul early, me and my son, and I know we're right. I came on time, I got a seat, and the older person came late. Right? Shouldn't my son have a seat? On the other hand... There's a mitzvah, and I want to teach my son about making room and making place for someone else. So it's not that I have my son stand. I had him sit on me. I switched seats with him a little if he wanted to sit completely. However, I still want to realize and I want to focus that it's good that you got up for your aunt. But what I would recommend is that you speak to your mother about this. You speak to your grandmother about this. And what they might say is, you know what, we're going to take turns. Every time someone else will stand up for an ant. This way you don't always do it. Because if you don't learn how to say no, then people always do their Azov Tazov. Oh, I need help with this. Help me. And then you want to help 
Then you're going to want to do your homework. How could you do homework? I have such a need. And then you might not do well on tests. You might not sleep well okay. at night because there are other people. People always need everything. And part of our experience is we need to learn how to say no. So I don't want you to say, no, I'm not standing up because you're going to miss out this fantastic, great opportunity. On the other hand, for you to always stand up, is going to make you resent, unfortunately, that mitzvah. Do you know the amount of times that I work on people that they have a certain pain to certain mitzvahs? And it's not because the mitzvah isn't good. Once we teach them how to do it balanced, they love the mitzvah. Right. So do you think you could speak to your mother about this and ask your mother, what do we do when we go to Bobby's house and there are people need to cheers? It shouldn't always be me standing up. Look, my father said that I could I could just dance it. Like once I could say no and once I could say yes. Excellent. If I feel like I'm getting too, you know, exhausted, I'm getting too um just the one who's doing it, then I should stop. Right? Excellent. Can you do that? Can you try every other time you'll get up? Sure. Good. And this way I'll also practice saying no. We need to be able to say no. We need to know what I could do, we need to know what I can't do. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, I just want to thank you. You know, John's great every time hearing, and very good. Thank and you. I appreciate that. And for those of you that would okay. like, I also have on my website, winnerformula.com, you can also sign up for daily motivational tweets or email, actually. Over there, you could sign up to daily motivational emails, which it would be nice to have and the number to call in for the programs, daily motivational quotes, questions, and even recordings of this show. First, you can see it on jrootradio.com. You can listen to it there. And you can also listen to it on the phone line, which we've got daily questions and answers, motivational quotes. That's 718-298-2011, 718-298-2011. And that's Lil Nishmas, my father. Rav Nissen. Moshe. Shalom Aleichem, Rav Moshe. You're on with Mordechai and Nissen. Hi, Rabbi Mordechai. How are you doing today? How you doing? Hashem Kitai. I want to discuss a particular issue that I'm going through. I want to know if you can help me out with it. All right. Can we have Rav Nissen's input as well? Yes. Excellent. Because when we have a shtickle issue, I like I like a team working with me. Fine. Let's go ahead and hear Rav this. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. I have a, I'm married for a couple of years now, and I feel in a certain sense I'm not really married. Okay. I mean to say, in other words, basically, I'm, when, when I go with my wife for anything, my mother will mix it in and ask, like, where do we go to, who do we stay by, etc., and all these things. Say that again. When you want to make a recommendation or do something. Not a recommendation. Let's say we go away for a weekend, for a shop or Yes. So my mother wants to know, where do you go to? Ah. She wants to know every detail of our trip. So, that's understand. so it's not that you're not married to your wife, it's that you have two wives. Basically, so I'm going to say that way. Okay, so you've got two people involved in your marriage decision. There's you, your wife, and your mother-in-law, and your wife is the silent one to make decisions. It's more your mother-in-law, so it's really you, the silent wife, and then the loud wife. Yeah, basically. Okay, now, what's your question? So I want to know how to deal with the fact that she mixes into every little thing that we do, basically. That's number one. Yes. And also, I'll give another example what happened recently. Recently, we were, my wife had a car accident, so we had an accident recently, and yeah. she got hurt from it. Yeah. So she wants to know every detail. Where did you get hurt? Where did it happen? And when did it happen? Etc. And she wants to know, like, every small thing. And I feel like I have no privacy in my marriage. Like, a certain thing I don't want to tell her, and, I, and she mixes it into every small thing, and I, I, don't have, I don't feel there's a concept of privacy there. I don't feel like I'm married. Okay. Great question. 
I always like defending. So we'll first start clarifying and understanding your mother-in-law. And then we'll see how Sorry. to go on the next level. So let's understand that your mother-in-law was a fantastic mother to her daughter. And she raised her. And now that her daughter is married, there is, as they say many times, that the grandchildren and the son-in-laws are the interest. These are the children that you didn't have to raise and you got the nachas. And because of her love for her daughter, she now loves her husband, she now loves the children, and they're part of her life. And that is why she is, one of the reasons why she's acting that way. She wants to get involved to make sure that trip should be the best. Her daughter had a car accident and she wants to make sure, know the details what happened this way in case there's something wrong, she can help her. If Hasashom there's ever a medical emergency, she will be up two in the morning. She will fight for that doctor. She will do everything because of her love, her caring for her daughter. Can we first for a moment appreciate this mother-in-law? I don't think that's completely true, to be honest. Okay, go ahead. Spoken like a true Aiden, like a true son-in-law. Why not? <laughs> I basically, because I, the thing is, in certain sense, you have perfectionists and other things as well. And that, in certain sense, goes against us. Let me clarify, Ramosha. I didn't say you're enjoying her input. I didn't say she isn't making a mistake by getting involved too much. I didn't say that she didn't learn yet to let go. We'll get there in a minute. I first want you to understand what might be her motivation. It's coming from love. So let, me, let me go through with you what you just said, and I'll see if I got you correctly. Thank you for repeating it, because I sent a message, and yes, and the message might not have gotten through clear. Go ahead. So you're saying, in other words, she has the love, and she, we just have to... I don't, we don't, I wouldn't stand her love totally now at this point because she's basically willing to do anything for but her let's, let's go, let's take a step back because you're already putting in the next step which I didn't get to. So what I am saying is your mother-in-law is coming from a place of great intention and it might be damaging. For an example, if someone like in America today, over 60% of Americans are obese. We're not talking about heavy. Heavy as I think I saw like 80%. We're talking about beyond the level of health. Children today in America. Now, a parent can feed their kids all the food in the world. Isn't it great? They're not starving them. On the other hand, what's happening to America if you love them too much? We'll get soon to the damage that you're getting from her love. Or the resentment that's building up from her love. But I first want you to understand, can you understand that your mother-in-law probably, uh, we don't know her intention, she might be a very unhealthy, dysfunctional witch, but chances are that she is this wonderful mother that loves her daughter and is thrilled that she married such a wonderful son-in-law that they make such a great couple and she wants to continue giving her love and making sure that their marriage and every step with her children will be healthy and chas v'shalom, if there is a problem, she will swoop in to protect them from her love. Now, we didn't get to you yet. Can we just, can you repeat that concept? Okay, in other words, she, since she has a mother, she, as a mother, she loves her daughter very much, and she wants to do what's best for her daughter. Therefore, she's, help, she's giving her love as much as possible at this point. That's right. Now, now we could go to step two. Now, what comes at step two is I have a special program for you for that, and that is called title number 29 called I Hate Going to My In-Laws. And that's my phone line, 718-298-2011. And now we'll explain the next level. And all this I explained there in the program. Step two is that when we marry off our children, or when you have a young couple going under the chuppah, and many times people are crying, parents are crying, there are tears of happiness, but there are also tears of sadness. Do you know why? Because it is a certain end of the relationship. 
And that's part of the reason why the Rebbein Shalom gives us those teenage years that the children go through, because there's now a separation, a little bit of a separation where the teenager starts thinking on their own to start forming their own marriage, start being ready to form their own life. And if the parents, if children, will still remain children the way they are, First of all, listen, turn on your mic over here. I, I want your feedback as I'm talking. Does that make sense so <laughs> for what I'm saying? Very much. But you know, it's, uh, from the other end, uh, we have... Yeah, you're uh, a father-in-law. Uh, so we're you're a mother-in-law, and you have some, many times uh, persons that are, are really freak controls. Yes. You know, parents that like to get every details. And my question to you, what is your wife is considered? What, what she's thinking about all this issue? Uh, this first of all and second you know sometimes you knew that love can kill you know (laughs) (laughs) so much love that you can uh, kill somebody so I would put yeah okay no so I'll put your questions on hold because we're going to get there right now so uh, he he got was right where I was going to go to now keep the mic on (laughs) but let's go now to the next level so under that chuppah part of the reason why we cry is because we lose part of that relationship of what we had with our mother, daughter, father, daughter, father, son, mother, son, whatever it should be. And what happens is, you t- need the wife to recognize she is disconnecting from her parents, connecting more to her husband. You need a husband to recognize he's disconnecting from his parents and connecting to his wife. And now you need them to form a family unit where husband and wife can connect. And sometimes you can have a husband and wife that they might disconnect from their parents, but the husband and wife didn't connect. So let's say the husband, Erev Shabbos, likes to have kugel, and the wife, Erev Shabbos, likes to have salad, and now they never connected, so what are we going to do? Are we going to have kugel or salad, or are we going to have both? So what happens is it sometimes gets very easy to connect. You know what? My mother understands me that salad is normal, Erev Shabbos. And he'll say, yeah, you don't make kugel, you don't care about me, but my mother, she makes an extra kugel for us, really. It's because you don't make it for me, and she feels bad for me. And now we're going to go to the questions that I've missing called you. What's your wife's take on this? Does she feel stuck between a husband and a mother? Does she feel her mother is there for her all those places? So why are you so upset? Is her parents supporting you and giving you money by any chance, which therefore they do feel that they have a little bit of a say in the matter? There's so many variables. What would you say to any of those questions, especially well, to Abnissons? One of the questions first. Firstly, asking if they support us. First of all, they don't support us. They're very tight in money. My in-laws are not rich at all, so they're very tight in money, so they can't help us by supporting. Okay. But there are times when they do support us, but they use that support as a support to get some other support. That's usually how it goes, by Let's the way. Let's say, for example, they would give us, let's say, $500 today by ourselves, let's say, right? Whatever we need it for, for groceries, yeah. etc. Whatever it's our core on the money, whatever we want to use it for. Then they'll tell us, okay, I gave you yesterday $500. Now I know, I know where you went last week, Shabbos. Now I know why did you do, why are you doing this now? Why aren't you getting a normal job, etc. They would use it as a springboard to say, to basically get more information out of us. Yes. So let's, let's recognize something. Now let's go back to the question I've Nissen asked you. Where's your wife on all this? She feels like it's torture for her in a way. She feels like it's too much love in a way, and it's torturing her too much in a way. Does she, has she ever had the balance, do any of your wife's siblings have the balance to tell their mother, thank you, but no thank you, or like, I appreciate what you've given us, and that is because you're giving it to us as parents, as children, but there's a gavul. Did anyone ever set boundaries with your mother-in-law? Besides us, nobody else did. Ah, so let's understand, this is called an enmeshed family, and again, the program on codependence. Codependence means 
that love becomes conditional. Instead of giving a kid feeling you're always loved and you're always exceptionally successful, but sometimes you might get a 30 on the test so you have to study more, rather some kids will say if I got a 30 means I'm a failure, even if I get hundreds on every other test, but that 130 means I'm a failure. Harvness, I'd like you to take over because I think you, you like the control freak part. No, you know what, this, uh, it's, it's, it's again really uh, something that it seems like the, the family are, uh, are really control freak. And the point is like this, that you have to build with your wife a strategy that how to basically maneuver yourself and gentle, you know, in a gentle way. You know, even even sometimes with humor. Oh, where you have been going? You know what? We went to the moon. You know, uh, some you know just throw something right. like uh, jokes and stuff like this. That's running away from the issue and try to avoid direct confrontation, the direct uh, collusion with him. Just go. He said, she ask you something. You know what? Just answer the 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 uh, the, the, the other side and avoid the avoid the. Uh, you know, and sl- slowly, slowly, she will see that you you are not. Uh, participate in a game, and this this is uh, the point that uh, when when you when you participate with the game and become like under pressure. Oh, we have been here and we did this. So you answer, you play. The, you have to be the the control and take the ball and and to your field to throw the ball to her field, and she is now to have to be play. So go ahead, Ramisha. I want to be you, and I want you to be your mother-in-law. Shoot to me a couple of questions, and with me, Arav Nissen, we'll both try a little role play, some answers. Yeah. <laughs> Where were you for Shabbos last week? Oh, Ravnison, you take that one. We'll take that Oh, right. beautiful. You know, we had such a peaceful Shabbat. You wasn't here, and we just me and my wife and the kids. We just enjoy Shabbat. Beautiful. Thank you for asking. Where were you? We were around. What, were you always uh, wherever supposed to be? What does that mean? What do you mean? Where were you for Shabbos? Where were you exactly for Shabbos? What place? Yeah, where were you for Shabbos? You're talking to the other person. No, 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 Okay. Uh, me and this are both taking you. Let's okay? try it again. Go ahead. I wonder if you can come pick up some money from me. I have one of you. I really didn't understand you, by the way. <laughs> one more time. I have money for you. For some groceries if you need. I have money for you. Oh, thank you. I'd love to come pick it up. When are you going to come pick it up? No, uh, Mom, do you need something from the grocery also? I just wanted to pick up the money. Okay, I'll come pick up money. We'll come when today. When can I come? When I can come. I'm right now very busy, Mom. I'm sorry. We'll be there I the next two I days. I don't have a job at this point. Oh, could you, could you leave the money maybe in an envelope so whenever we come by in the next two, three days, we can just take it if, we're, if you're not there? I'm afraid we're going to spend it. You're afraid we're going to spend it? Oh, oh, isn't that why you're giving us the money? No, I'm going to spend it. Me, the mother Oh. oh, okay, so, m- Mom, enjoy the money. It's your money. Yeah, but I want to give it to you. Okay, so Good. no problem. Nothing has happened. If you enjoy your money, why not? Now, how about you put it in an envelope and you put it in Yankel's room on his farm shank? I can't trust myself. Wow, I trust you. Thank you, but I still don't trust myself. You're the best shvig in the world. I trust you. <laughs>
Okay, what other ideas do we have? How to get it here? Uh, maybe I'll send it over with Sprinter. Excellent. Thank you. So either you send it over with Sprinter or we'll come over and we'll get it in the next two days. Okay. Good. Try one more example. I know. Isn't it such a concern what we're going to do about my wife that she broke her foot? What are we going to do about supper? It's a real question. Should I send you over something? You know what? I'll get back to you. So till I'll first speak to my wife and we'll see exactly what. But don't worry. If we need it, I'll, we'll call you up. Okay, so right now we're not going to ask for anything, but we might need your help. And I know that you care about us and that's why you're offering. So thank you. Oh, so then, you know, so for tonight, we won't do anything because I won't know now. But I'll let you know if we need for tomorrow night, I'll call you before 3 o'clock. So this way, you can go out shopping or before 12. If I don't call you by 12, then it's okay if we don't have tomorrow night supper either. Thank you for your concern, how much you care about your daughter and how much you care about us and the kids. You're a real special mother-in-law. May all Klyasol be zeichet to have such a mother-in-law like you. Well, she would... She would hang up the phone, basically, before I have a chance even to... It, uh, when she would get all fumed at me about nothing to suffer. She would, like, get all upset about that. Oh, uh, it's your problem. Uh, so it's, uh, let, let, her, let her have this problem. No, this, this is right now. now right, right now, you now. see, now you're trying to own... That's, again, codependence, where we don't feel good if the other one is hurt. We can't control them. We can't control their emotions, and we can only do the best that we could. You could even say, I'm so sorry. I know you want to give us supper. But I just can't make a decision now, so therefore I understand that you're not making supper, and I'm sorry I can't give you an answer now. So I basically all you're saying I should make your own decision, and that's it, and who cares what she says? Yeah. Okay, that's the... Well, the last time she doesn't let me have a choice whether I can make my own decision, and she just basically pushes me to do her thing and nothing else. Go ahead, so give me an example. Let's do another role play. Show me how she's making decisions for you. One second, she brought you the lunch or the supper, okay? So I said, Mom, I really prepared this lunch. So you know what? Put it in the freezer, and next time I'll use it, you know? Just give it some a back door open for, for yeah. the opening, and she will feel a little bit, you know, but you are the controller here. Don't let her to control. Let me ask you, do you also see that she's really doing it from love? The way you're so discussing the whole time, I really see she loves her daughter and her son-in-law and her grandchildren. I hear that. Nisim, do you hear that? Yes. She just might do it in a way that's not the way you would like it. Or it might not be in a way that many people will like it. But notice there's love here. Yeah, but it makes me feel not independent at all. When she keeps on mixing in what I'm doing about supper and these things, the I don't feel like I'm to say thank like I'm like you. The ability to say thank you, and I'll get back to you later is what a healthy person can do. A co I know he was healthy, but codependent people have a difficult time shutting them out in a gentle way. They either have the two extremes. Either they have to give in or they have to have a fight. And when you're safe, you can just let them go with their issues, go with their concerns, and thank them at all times, but you still close the door. Saying, if you need an answer now, then I can't give that right now, so the answer is no for supper today. But tomorrow I'll discuss it with my wife and we'll let you know. You'll even give them a time and even give them respect. A mother-in-law, she does need time. I know sometimes I hear cases the other way around where a daughter would call up 10 minutes before supper. Ma, I need supper for four kids. 
Well, when do you think it's going to happen? You realize to get chicken, to get food, to get everything, you got to go out to a store. It might take an hour time baking. You need to have all the ingredients. Maybe the mother had a tough day, but if she would know the day in advance, she'll prepare it. It'll be easier. It's about the communication. It's about you setting up your boundaries and gently, lovingly, assertively being able to respect the other person and keep your boundaries as well. I hear you. Now, let me ask you something, because someone sent us such a message, and I wonder, what are you doing, question mark, exclamation mark? How can you tell this guy negative stuff about his shviger without knowing at all? Now he's going to use you against her if chances are he's just immature and wants to be in charge and doesn't want his caring mother-in-law to know what's right. And you're telling him to act disgusting without hearing the other side. I don't, <laughs> I don't hear telling anyone don't listen to your mother-in-law. I, don't, I hear I was being extremely respectful that originally when you called out Rabbi Moshe, you're saying how bad your mother was and here we're discussing with what love she has, how caring she is. It just might be her style that she might be, as you said, perfectionist and organized and she needs answers earlier and you guys aren't giving it to her. We're actually being very respectful and we are still enforcing, which I'd like the listener, whoever sent that message, that yes, husband and wife come first. Before the mother and mother-in-law. Yes, that is a fact. And the couple needs to be comfortable. That is a fact. And that I will go. Al Kinyazov is vicious. That's what you're looking at. I yeah, see you taking a chumash over here. <laughs> Embaracious, yes. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to go into Allah as a of aim because it is... I don't want to go there. But ask your Rav. If you're concerned about being over the mitzvah of aim, then then you can speak to your Rav about that. So... I spoke to my brother about it a while back, and I told him what's going on and everything. He said, it, it, it helped us out. He said, it's not, this, thinking about them is not in the game in this situation. Yeah. Yeah. I think that you have to coordinate with your wife, this first of all, and walking gently, and as you said, don't close the door, just leave an opening, and definitely just you take control, both of you take the control, and that's what you feel, and you have to explain it also to your wife about it. Yeah. Certain things we cannot explain. The thing is, she doesn't hear outside of the coin. That's the main problem. for your question, and hopefully these little role plays helped you out. And siyata deshmaya. I appreciated it, especially your voice, your creativity, and to do that on air, that takes that takes guts, confidence, and a lot of creativity on your part. A lot of playfulness. Keep it up and enjoy it. Thanks for your help, and have a great night. And everything should go well. My Amen. pleasure. Amen. Yochevet. Yes, Yochevet. Well, we got two positives. Let's just read. Hold on. Just before we go to you. Someone said, so hilarious. Let's do some more role play. Another one saying, I'm having so much fun with this free entertainment. The one that you role play with the Shviga, thanks for everything. Good luck. So it's nice to see that people are enjoying it as well. And not only that negative uh, message. Good. Yocheved, you're on. With Mordechai Nisim. I have, I have a comment and then I have a question. Go ahead. Let's hear your comment. My comment is with Ramaisa just called in before. I want to let him know, like, I was, I'm saying, five years ago, I was that kind of wife. And I guess it takes a lot of patience and getting out of denial that I I see. You know, my, my family thinks also keep it of aim. They use it as an excuse, but it's only as an excuse that I realize that they're using it as an excuse as a target against me when just because they really want me and Good, and just because, just because we're live and just because we're saying something that I agree with, I just always like taking the other side of the coin just to say, 
Oh, let's clarify what I want to say. What you're saying is that you understand you're at that place. You used to be the wife of someone that was like married to someone like Moshe that the wife I, was... I was like his wife. Yeah, so, so you didn't I, see I, that I, your I parents... That the parents were a little bit I, meddling too much in their in the where it shouldn't be. And I'm curious, what helped you get out of it? What helped you see... My husband was my husband was very patient. And we, you know, I guess I started realizing it's... So it's his patience not. is what helped. What would have happened if your husband would have been yelling at you, you're a controlling mother, I don't want to go there for Shabbos, I don't want to take anything from them. What do you think would have happened then? I would not have wanted to listen for a second. Mm-hmm. And it was just, you know, he waited till I was able to see it and just and able to realize it myself. And then it was amazing how I started seeing everything. So hopefully his wife will um, be able to do the same thing, take some time though. Yeah. Yes. Thank I you. I just wanted just want to let him know I was like, I'm in the same place. Yes. Um, Excellent. And just to, to clarify also the mitzvah of kibbid of aim, the mitzvah of kibbid of aim. Speak to your Rav about it, because as you said, sometimes people take it, again, depending on the ages, because I have teenagers who said, oh, I don't have the Mitzvah Kibbutz of Aim, so I don't have to listen to my parents. Uh, 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 we're at different levels here. We're talking about someone that's married. We're talking about whatever it goes. Just as an example, someone gave over here a message saying, completely disagree with me that if parents are supporting you, then they have no right to meddle. And here's where I would like to disagree with you, actually. Do you realize that when parents support you, or let's put it the other way around, as I explained it to someone, in the real world, besides for people when they start imagining that they'll make $100,000 the first year, but do you know that people actually work for $25,000 a year, that's $500 a week, and people work 40 hours a week for that. Now, if you have parents and in-laws that are supporting you with $12,000 a year, $20,000 a year, do you know that they sometimes resent it when son-in-laws and daughter-in-laws look at it as if magiali? I deserve it. It comes to me without any of the appreciation that the in-laws have missed. So what do you say to this? It's uh, no question. You know that the feeling that Magiali, uh, it's this the, the worst uh, feeling that uh, yes. any any the entitled generation. Uh, exactly. That's what we are today. Now, parents do not have the right to control their children's lives. They don't have a right to say where you're coming and where you're going. But there's got to be a balance. And yes, if parents are supporting you they're definitely are part of your relationship more of a level than when they're not. And I strongly agree with that. Listen, what do you say? I think that when you work a job and you have a boss and it pays you, right. so you have to respect the boss. It doesn't matter with parents or no parents. It, this is exactly the same situation. You're working. Like even you don't work, but when you get the money, it's something that supports you. It's you have to respect the person. Right. It's nothing to do with kibbutz Ahmed. It's to respect the people that are supporting you. Right now, you know, it doesn't matter. I don't. That's they're not entitled to get into you between your husband and wife or wife and right. husband. It's not they're not entitled to do this as a parent, as a father-in-law. Uh, I cannot do it. Uh, but uh, at least the minimum. If they would ask you to come for Shabbos or if they would ask for certain things, yes, because they are supporting you, giving you five hundred dollars a week, whatever that should be. Realize that some people work forty hours for that, and when they ask you to come for a Shabbos. Or they ask you to come for a meal, or they ask you to babysit, realize that it's not like, oh, they're supporting me because they promised it. No, every week your father-in-law or father needs to work to make that money and needs to give that. And there is, there definitely needs to be a balance, a healthy give and take. And I do find issues and parents and in-laws that feel resentful when they're doing so much and it's not respected and it's not valued. 
it's not always worth the extra the money and stuff. There I you up go. Welcome, welcome. And now you're talking like a person that's mature. A teenager would I say, "I want the money and don't tell me what to do." That's right. Now that's maturity. Maturity is with now. I got to start making decisions. Based on what I want, based on what people want, do I like this job or don't I like this job? Do I want to stay with this boss even though it's painful or do I want to change? And that again is in yours and your wife's or husband's decisions to decide. However, you still need to do that. Yeah, and I get a lot of slap in the face to my family, but that's okay. Yes, um, now let's go to your question. Thank you for that comment, by the way. Um, my, my question was, it's more of a general, if I'm in therapy now from my past. What's with the tap group I saw advertised? Is that something like that? Say that again. What is the what that you saw advertised? There is a, there's a tap group. I know that. You oh, know, tap, yes, in Lakewood. Yes, I'm speaking, Mertzashem, this Wednesday. So what is, what is that over therapy? Is it something that will go quicker? Do you, like, if I've been, like... Is it You're asking me, it's you, almost like, it's almost imagine you're giving me a pitch that I can hit off out of the ballpark. What this TAP organization, I'm actually speaking by them for free because I want to promote the concept of the subconscious therapy. What that means is this logic therapy where we can talk about our feelings, our thoughts, like we've had earlier, that people can have emotions. And the logic will teach us how to ignore those emotions or work with those emotions and try to like work with it. However, cognitive therapy does not always heal the root. And the subconscious type therapy, which there's EMDR, there is like a PM melody model. There is a lot of alternative hypnosis. I can think of probably seven or eight and a lot of alternatives of one brain, HK. A lot of these therape therapeutic modalities, they're not, all, they're not licensing, by the way. They're not, um, most of these are not registered as a therapeutic modality, but they're alternative therapy, again, not EMDR. Um, just thinking what other therapeutic modalities I could think of that deals with the subconscious. So EMDR is one of them that's recognized in the professional world. Um, hypnosis is semi, half on, half off. But anyhow, so, so what TAP is doing is they're creating an awareness for the, for the trauma work to do inner healing work. That is the goal. And I'm going to explain a little bit how the subconscious works to recognize that we're talking about the amygdala where the emotions are stuck. And when we can get our logic to tune in, to connect to our amygdala, to our feelings, we can start healing process. Some of that is mourning, literally going into that place. Some of them is talking to the parent as if you're back way back then. So the TAP is a wonderful organization started by three fantastic Asia's Hiles. And what they're trying to do is to create an awareness that there is more than just talk therapy. And so they're not here to say talk therapy doesn't work. They're not here to say don't go to therapy. What they're doing is they've even had a workshop where I've taken a three-day training and how to do, it's a, called a debriefing that we've learned, the first stage in a certain modality to help access the subconscious, to access the trauma work. That is what it is. And that's really what I'm going to be discussing. For about a half hour, I'll be speaking different examples and illustrating how the subconscious is needed. And they will have three or four therapists that they will be recommending that will do a certain model. Because I spoke to them and they made it like they're more convincing in that than to continue my therapy. I'm just like, I think my therapy is I am is sorry, working. I will definitely not promote that in any which way possible. If you're going to therapy and you're successful, I will not be associated. Therefore, I can't imagine them telling you not to go to therapy. 
In fact, the only therapists that they are training that I trained in are only licensed therapists because the, the model that we took is not allowed to teach it to someone that is not a licensed therapist. So I'd like you to know that I'm surprised that they would do that, and I don't know if I would do that. I would call them up and tell them that we've even discussed, and I might even call them up, probably not tonight, but to clarify, absolutely not. They're not there to talk out of therapy. I'm a therapist. I'm a believer in the subconscious. You'll never hear me disavow the conscious or cognitive therapy because I do it all the time. A client comes in and needs information, needs some tools and tips. That's what that's for. Someone comes in and they need emotional work. Then we do trauma therapy. Someone needs behavior. I do behavior. All three components are needed. How can you tell someone to do a piece? I only believe in this. Imagine someone says, I only believe in righties. I don't need the left hand. We need both hands. I only need one foot. You know, one foot stronger than the other. We need our whole body working together. The brain is such a vast system. I have only simplified the brain to three levels, like the logic, the subconscious, and the behavior. But in reality, there's so much more that I do. So imagine so you we just do... made it sound like it's much, much more, like to gain much more, much faster. In four days, I could heal myself, like in four days. Absolutely not. Let me tell you right away, that does not exist. Anyone that tells you could heal you in three or four days, please run away. I told it to all my clients. Run away. I've taken so many systems, and the minute the system started, you do this and this thing gets better, run away. I even tell my clients, you think you're coming to me, if you think you're going to get better in four clients, I will not charge you for this session, and let's stop right now. There okay, are so this person gets to the root of the problem, and then it's, you know... Okay, I, I, feel, I feel it's almost not right. It might, for simply because okay. you, might have mis- you might have interpreted that from their words. That might not be what they're saying. So okay. I feel we can't... Um, I wouldn't, I, I don't want to talk about them. I feel this isn't right. But all I'll tell you is that TAP is a wonderful about, uh, TAP is a wonderful organization about creating them, uh, you know, about so helping both. to gain so awareness. Their goal both. is to create awareness. Right, so you need both. I'm saying you need You need that. only both. You need more. You need someone that's experienced. I'm telling you, I take, I just took a cognitive marriage counseling course and I talk about subconscious all the time. Um, I wanted to take a subconscious course, and I didn't do it for a certain reason. I'll take that question as next. We'll read that. That's a relationship. Yeah, great. And, okay, then I'll do that. And at the same time, I wanted to take off this Thursday. There's a great course of a parenting course that's being given, and I wanted to take that, but I knew my clients are really going to be upset for whatever reason because I took off on a Thursday about two weeks ago that I just knew there's no way I could do it again. And that's a logical, that's a behavioral course on parenting. So I take courses all the time. So... I don't want to defend, I don't want to answer for anyone else, but I can only speak for myself. Mm-hmm. Okay, thank you so much. Great. I'm trying to find the question on my screen over here. You know, let me read it from yours then. So here's a similar question that says as follows. I went to therapy for a year and a half already. The therapist told me that I need still at least another year. I feel pretty good about myself and don't feel like doing another year of therapy. I started group therapy and I love it. I don't feel like going to the therapist again. I wanted to ask you if you think it's okay to go on with group therapy only and not with my private therapy. Thanks so much. My Akarza type to you is incredible. Let's start with that. By the way, we're talking about therapy. Here's another point that I do. I run a group therapy once a week. I went to group therapy every other week for about two and a half years where I participated. No, not as everyone says. Oh, he has no problems. Baruch Hashem. He's got the perfect life. And everything, I participated in group therapy every other week, and I go still for individual therapy within myself, and therefore I found something that my clients will vouch for me. 
And that is if I have an opinion and the client has an opinion, I always tell the client, go with your opinion. Self-actualization, to feel empowered to take your life and your destiny is more powerful than any therapeutic tool and modality that I can ever do. And I might be right and the, and the client might make a huge mistake. No problem, I tell them. So three months from now, come back. What's the big deal? It's not an ego of who's right or wrong. When a person feels confident about themselves, so many times they've gotten better. So many times they have been able to grow. So let's go ahead and... I'm sorry, I was just reading the message where someone clarified that. Here, I read it and I made a mistake. So interesting. I'll share with you how I read a person's question. So to that question, trust yourself. Go for therapy. Go to the group therapy. The therapist might not want to take you back. Then again, you can make your choices accordingly. I let the clients make decisions. And I also allow myself to make decisions saying, if you get worse, be aware. I might not take you back either. Just like you have a choice to do yours. I might have a choice to do mine. But I always tell the client to trust yourself. And the person that said about they disagreed about financial support, what they clarified is that you read the whole message. I'm talking about meddling. And I'm great appreciative and a good and a giving child in law, but not to be controlled because of money. And they don't want to be sold because of money. That I agree with you a thousand percent. Money, no money in the world is worth it. And the Gemara says that Adam Reitze, Kav Chitin Shaloy, a person would rather have a Kav is amount of weight of chitin, of, of like barley, of wheat that he has of his, rather than tishan kavim shel chaveri, rather have one pound of my food than have ten, nine pounds of someone else's. And that's exactly what you're saying. And the Gemara agrees with you a thousand percent. At all times, we'd rather have our poor, small little thing than another time. And the question is, is this program live? Yes, this program is live. We have Yosef. Yosef, you're on with Mordechai and Nisim. Hi, Mordechai. How are you? Baruch Hashem, amazing. First, first of all, I want to thank you guys again. I did it right last week. Second of all, I want to make sure you're feeling better from last week since at least twice in the meeting after that person annoyed you. You didn't stop it. You stopped it. You, you over and over mentioned how you got hurt from the person. I want to make sure you're back strong to normal. Thank you. And let's hold on about that. By the way, when I said it, I felt hurt, let me clarify. Baruch Hashem, the Rebbe has helped me that from a pain of 1 to 10, hurt I meant to 2 or 3. Some people might have felt, right, felt like an 8, 2 9, or 10. For a person like you who's helping. Thank you. But I also like you to know I get a huge it, amount of abuse right, in my work. It's like by average of 10. Now, I'd like you to realize that when you work with people sometimes and so many different people and a lot of comments and messages, there's a huge amount. And Baruch Hashem, I thank the Rabbi Shalom. That's part of the reason why I go for my therapy is to be able to develop and how to interact with the world, the ups, the downs, and everything. So for those of you that are, go ahead, Rabbi How many times you want to walk in a zoo instead of yeah. <laughs> people? <laughs> yeah. Uh, go yeah, ahead. So, so thank I you. I appreciate to, I, the care. It's really nice of you and special of you. Yeah. Thank you. I had uh, a comment for the not the last caller, the caller before. Yes. Uh, even though I'm not married, I didn't experience marriage, but I but I think it's partially. Uh, I want to shit. I think maybe it has to do to some extent with with controlling love, and 
and uh, I want to also uh, say that maybe he should uh, tell tell his mother well, that sorry, but this is a little bit gay touchy to us, and either we can have normal conversations or or or, or we or we need to try to stop talking for a little bit, and maybe something will get to notice. But you can't get so involved in us. We got married. Married people move. Uh, the reason you move out of your parents' house, the is that that a wife, before she's married, her her father has control to even tell her who to get married to. But when she's married, she has her her whole focus is over to her husband. No shackles to her wife. Besides that, when they get the money, the place gives the later kind of. Someone has, a, I think, a chuba or a piece or a different safer that they, that a parent who gives money to a married child has zero. If they want, they can stop giving, but but has zero sense of controlling their life or squeezing information. As so let me just ask you. Well, I I appreciate what you're saying. We just need to give a source. We need to give him a car, and that's why I purposely try not to mention halachas. Oh, and all this so stuff, and that's I why no, it's okay. That's why I always tell people if you have that issue, speak to your rav. I badafka. I happen to know several halachas and makayris, but we've got such a wide variety of audiences from Hasidim to Svardim to Ashkenazim to everyone in the middle, even to non-from people from all over the world. What I'm trying to do is to just really recommend and to also build a connection that people should start having with their rabbanim. So this is a common question. Any any competent Rav will know the Makairis, will have be able to answer, will also be able to tell them what is expected. So I try not right. to take the role, so I appreciate what you're doing and the information and the right that no one should be controlled or owned for no money in the world is exactly correct. Thank you. Yeah. No problem. Oh, great. Thank you for calling in again for your concern about me. We've got Chaim on the air. Yeah, well. Yes, Chaim. Yeah. Um, I have I have a very big problem, and when that problem happens, it's very embarrassing. Okay, okay. can you tell us what the problem is? Yeah, whenever whenever something very little happens, I cry. Wait, say that again. Whenever something happens, like what? Something very small happens that may hurt me a little bit, and I cry. Oh, so you cry easily? Yeah. Good. How old are you? Eleven. Eleven. So I would like you to close your eyes a second, Chaim, and see that someone will tell you something very sharp, and just before you're ready to cry with your eyes closed, what are you feeling? Are you feeling that they hate you? Are no, you that feeling, shouldn't have done it. Are you feeling that they hurt you? No, that I just shouldn't have done it. Good, but then why does it bother you if they shouldn't have done it? I want you to go deeper. Close your eyes, take a deep breath, and how is it... Oh, what you're saying you shouldn't have done it? No, he shouldn't have done it. Okay, so could you give me an example? I'd like a real live example makes it easier. Uh, let's say someone... Let's say someone is... Uh, someone's at the table and... Uh, and he does something weird and I make a face and... He says a comment and... Give me an exact example. Give me an exact example. I am Chaim. You be the friend. Do it to me. Um, okay, so what do you mean? 
I want you to act like the friend, and I'm going to be Chaim. I'm going to be you. Okay, fine. Chaim, what's up? Baruch Hashem, excellent. Yeah, I was just, I, I, I was at the table, and I saw that, that when, that when he started singing, that when, well, I don't know. <laughs> Go ahead, yeah, when you started singing, your nose looked crooked. Fine, yeah. Good, so tell it to me. And your nose, your nose looked crooked, and it was very funny. Good, now let's stop. Now, I want to be your brother, sister, cousin, friend who did it now, and I want you to be Chaim again. Chaim, when I was at the table and I noticed you started singing, your nose looked very funny. It went crooked, upside down, inside out, and that's very funny. Now, close your eyes, and what are you feeling inside? Why would you start crying? Do you feel they made fun of you? Yeah. Do you feel they said you're worthless nothing? No, she has other other people he likes better. That's right. Oh, so they like others better than you, so they don't love you or care right. about you. Good. So what bothers you is that you feel if someone ever makes fun of you or tells you a sharp word, that means they don't like you anymore. Right. Good. Now, what would happen, Chaim, if you can close your eyes and know that the only people we give comments to are people that we love? Okay. So let me give you an example. If something happens in Uganda, do you ever daven for that? Is it a Jew? No. 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 Now, what happens if it's an Eretz Do you daven? Yeah. Do you get angry sometimes if the Israeli government or if someone does something that you think should be done differently? If the school should do something yeah. differently? Ah, so if you're angry that the school, let's say, doesn't do something the way you would like... Does that mean you don't like the school? Does that mean you really like the school? You just want them to do it better? Right. So how would you feel now if I'm going to make that comment and you know, you know what that means? That means Mordechai really cares about Chaim. So let's try this now. Chaim, I saw you at the Shabbos table. You were singing. <laughs> you wouldn't believe it. Your nose turned upside out, inside out. And it was turning red, purple, and green at the same time. That was so funny. Now, how can you hear what I'm saying? Along. That's right. What does he mean to say? He's just trying to Connect. play a joke. That's right. Now, we've had a couple of months ago a caller that I taught them a secret. And the secret is as follows. Because I'm like on air and so many people listen to me, some people don't know how to just say, Hi, Mordechai, I like your show. Or Mordechai, I disagree with something. They sometimes say funny comments like... Oh, you're on the air because you don't. You have a weak self-esteem, so you need everyone to listen to you. Or you don't have really any money or any clients, so you're trying to get business through this. Or you know you're really not as smart as you think you are. Or so many of your comments are just so stupid. And you know what I hear in my mind? They're saying, hi, Mordechai, I just want to connect to you. And in my family, or that's how I learned to just make nasty comments. I tell them, wow, that's so interesting. And how's your day today? And they go, oh, you know what happened? You know, my mother-in-law listens to you and she likes you. Well, you know, my cousin, yeah, you know, you once said something that I disagreed with. And then we start the conversation. Now, if I would have gotten all upset. Yeah, you think I'm doing it for that? You don't like me, so don't listen. Now, what would you realize that when people make comments to you, they're looking to connect. Just some people don't know how to do it in a nice way. So if someone is making fun of you, what they're really saying is, Chaim, can we spend some time together? So now, Chaim, try it on me. Tell me again about making my face and my nose turn upside down when we're singing. 
Oh, Chaim. I mean, <laughs> oh, Barrel. Um, I saw that when when you were when we I was singing, I saw that that when you were, when we were singing together, I saw your nose turn upside down. I know. Isn't that cool? Do you want to play a little now? Come, you want to go outside and play something? Yeah. Okay. Basketball. Yeah. Excellent. You notice? Recognize when anyone makes a comment, they want to be with you. They just might not know how to do that. Now, would you feel broken if they make that comments now? Not as much. That's right. Now, what would happen if you would know that sometimes some people are hurt and they make nasty comments or they're in a bad mood and they don't even mean you? In therapy, I discuss that a lot with my clients. We call it displacement. But if it's only like, uh, like me and him, then you can't be talking about someone else. No, displacement means, let's say, Tati is at work and the boss is very mean to him. And he can't do anything and he needs to stay at that job because he needs to bring in the Parnassa. And he can't quit because other jobs he won't make so much. So he's home or he's nervous and he gets to shul and then the Gabbai decides to send someone to the Yamid. Or the Baltfila Davin's too fast or too slow and he's all nervous. Displacement means the nerves that he has at work, he will let out somewhere else. And sometimes kids might not get a good mark and they need to let it out somewhere else because they don't know how to release their emotion appropriately, saying, oh, I'm not doing well. So displacement is sometimes they might be in a bad mood, but don't get caught up into it. It's not about you. They don't mean you. They don't think about you. They're stuck in their world. Does that make sense? But they sense? have a lot of friends. Who? Say that again? But those kids have a lot of friends. They have funds, but they have more friends because they're more public. Public means they speak more. They're louder. Right. You, so if you would also speak more, you would have just as many friends or probably even more friends because you're going to speak from a nice way. Does that make sense? Right, and that's why I try not to make those jokes because I know what it feels. That's right, but could you still make jokes about positive jokes? Like yeah. Instead of making fun of others. And you'll find you'll have just as many friends as they do. Okay. All right. Now, there is someone that asked a question that I would like you to call it in. I don't want you to actually ask. And that's as follows. It's a question. What about the mother-in-law when she sees that her son-in-law, her daughter and son-in-law are acting immature? So if you got the confidence to call in, and I'd like you to put on the voices of your son-in-law, and we'll role-play how to deal with that. Chaim, thanks for calling in. You're very brave. Thank you. You're very welcome. We have Shani. Shani, you're on with Mordechai and Nissen. Hi. Hello. Thank you so much for your show, and I really enjoy it. My pleasure. And uh, thanks for Nissen. Nissen, thank you so much for, you know, having this all, this, this thing. Yes, having it, making sure this entire station is running is all Nissen, and for always appreciating for having me on. Yeah, I'm just wondering when he had his, when his dream started, like when, you know. And how ha- 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 it came to life, you know, it's amazing. Yes. Um, the question is like this. Um, I'm reading a lot, and I'm very, like, very interested in, like, learning um, about the personalities, the yes. nature, it's about the MBTI system. Yes. And the Enneagram. Yes, yes, the Enneagrams, and the, yes, and the, the yes. Yes. Um, I'm just like, you know, I'm, I'm, I already never recognize what, um, what number I am. I'm the type four in the Enneagram. Ah, are you the one that sent that message? Yeah. Okay, yes. By the way, so am I, so it's cute. I've got several numbers there. It's, uh... Yeah, yeah. Yes, you know, it's, it's nice to know, you know, finally knowing your personality is amazing, and I really love yes. it. Yes. 
And I would also recommend, I've got also a program, two programs, I've divided into 18 natures. I listen to it. It's great. It's great. Thank you. Um, are you referring to the MBTI, the MBTI system? No, those are their system. I've, I like those, but I've made my own 18 natures oh. that I find using all the time. It's program number 48 and number 49 in my phone line. Yeah. And I just haven't. Uh, okay. No, those are wonderful as well. I, it's just different. I've just taken them differently. Yeah, it's great. And just, I have, now I have another question about the, the, the extroversion and the introvert. I'll ask that afterwards. Um, my question is like this. Um, a type four, and I'm quite, I'm very much, you know, self-aware, but. Can we explain to those that don't know what Enneagrams are and what the personality types you're discussing? What is it? Um, can I'm you allowing that? you to be the instructor. Go ahead. It's basically knowing your nature, you know, knowing, knowing your weaknesses and your strengths and learning how to. So um, Enneagrams have been around for a very long time, and then there is a from psychologist, which she has made extremely popular, and that's Dr. Miriam Adahan. She lives in Eretz Yisrael. She made, uh, I just forgot now the type of therapy, what it's called, which is very nice, and she's written a book called Awareness, which is a fantastic book, and she's explained the Enneagrams into, um, for the from world, which is very nice understanding different personalities. Right. Yeah. So basically, I'm very much. Should I continue this? Go on ahead. Or, yes. Should I continue with my question? Or? So nature four. So number four in the enneagram. Enneagram means what? More people are more um, emotional, you know. Yes. And people are more intuitive, more. Yes. And what are the dangers uh, of that? The unhealthy. Uh, that's what I'm calling. Yes. Um, it's you they know they feel a lot. They feel they others. Feel, yes, they feel They're others. They're creative. Yes, they're yes. They take things very they, personal when it's not meant. Yeah, yeah, and um, you know they think a lot. <laughs> yes, they just, can get stuck. Their mind is always thinking, and yes, you know they can get stuck in their feelings, and they might not act as much. They can be afraid of acting because of fear of pain. You know, yeah, yes. that's a lot. That's, that's Great. A big, um, now to your question. My question is that I, I I got all the information. I got it. I know I know the weakness. I know what comes along with the good things and the bad things. But for some reason, I just can't. I just can't balance my nature. <laughs> I don't know how to balance this. I, I I don't know where to start. Okay, so I don't either. <laughs> what do you mean? Like, what do you mean? There are the so many places to start. You can try that self-help book. You can try recognizing it. You might need a friend like a chavrusa to do it with. You might need someone that understands, or just a smart rebbitzin, or a rav that you can speak to. You need more. You might do someone that's a life coach. You want more? You can even go to a therapist. You someone needs more? There's even medication or vitamins out all there. Right. <laughs> no, no, I'm just I'm just saying like you can take it all the way up. You start somewhere and you see how you learn to balance it. So I'm saying I find that like I it's, know people that are they are they could be a therapist, but um, I'm they won't really understand it because. Of course they will. Your 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 issue is the olive base in therapies. I don't even use the word therapies. The olive base in human nature. I'm sure we've got thousands of listeners right now that all understand you. Harvin, listen. Do you understand her? You're not a licensed therapist. Someone that's emotional. I'm not licensed, and I'm trying to to understand the, my 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 feeling, and I'm trying to see what the other people. You know, I think it's a very good idea what you gave her about doing kind of work work up with Chavuta in the yeah. beginning and see how you feel about it. And later, you see if you need more. But I think that the first step is to find you a good friend, a good somebody that uh, start working together. 
I could even tell you in my life, there was a time that I went, quote unquote, like to a therapist that I don't use the word therapist. It wasn't licensed like a life coach. And I felt a lot more comfortable and ease with that person for a certain issue that I wanted to discuss. So it's more about hooking up to someone like Rabnison validated, agreed. You know, the normal Melech said, you know, in the, the settle, settle cotton. Said, yeah, take a nice friend and talk with him. That's right. So I don't think and your issue is something that's so unheard of. I mean, I go through that. Right. So <laughs> just take a friend. Is- don't do it alone. If you're an emotional person, you know, the one thing you don't like is doing anything alone. Right. There's a deep, sometimes rooted feeling of loneliness that's there at all times. Yeah, and sometimes you both. Um, thing is that I actually have a friend that's very much very very similar, but I find that I'm talking too much and I'm not not getting down to business. All right, then maybe you need a different nature. Maybe I think you need the one, which is like the very go getter, oh, no. that type, right, and will okay. like whip you into place. Stop feeling nice so and do it. You know. <laughs> Write it down. Every time you're afraid, write down what you're feeling. I don't want to hear stories. Do it in do it in six words. You can't do it in you know. You can't talk now for ten minutes straight. And sometimes I do that with clients, and I apologize when, as a therapist, I need to change roles. And sometimes I go, I'm not being now your emotional therapist. Now I'm being your behavioral therapist. Say it in ten words or don't say it. I usually, very rarely, do I do that. But when I need to take that role, I have now one client that I'm doing a behavioral therapy with them. That if they get up late, they have to rip up a certain amount of money. We can't say because officially it's illegal to like rip up money, I heard. But that's part of his behavior to do. And he <laughs> has gotten up every single day on time when he actually like not spend or give to Tzedakah where you feel it's going to something. Where you got to like with your own hands do that, he hasn't had to do that. Yeah. And I have another quick, another question about um, introversion versus extroversion. When I, the MBTI system is 16, what do you mean by having um, additional 17 and 18. Uh, I've added those in there. And intro- right, this is well, my first question. Well, first of all, let's clarify. I don't take their 16. That's plagiarism. I'm not allowed to take their system. So right, they've okay. got very different, I've got very different names and I focus on different emotional beings and people. Some of them might seem similar, but so the same thing with the Enneagrams. Um, so I've taken the natures that I have found that are there. When I mention introvert and extrovert, it means People that don't need, in their emotions, don't need to say much. That's an introvert. They're happy and comfortable the way they are. An extrovert that they need to do be loud in everything. Their successes and their failures will be loud. Everything about them is loud. Is public. So, so I was thinking that I could take um, the extrov- extroversion and introversion to myself because one thing is sometimes like it's confusing because sometimes I am. That's the whole, that's the Hagdama that I give in the program. We all are about four main programs. And half the time, they're going to be conflicting one with the other. That's how the Rabbi Shalom gives us balance. So if someone's naturally confident, the Rabbi Shalom will also give them a, a power for introspection to think. Because imagine they would be confident. Imagine they will be a manager. And imagine that they would also have uh, the conflictor, the one that likes arguing, Put those three together, confidence managing, and they like conflict or disagreeing. Boy, that's like a recipe of disaster. They're going to be fighting with the whole world. So there's going to be a balance with introspection, or they'll have a rachnius level and say, just let go of everything. There's got to be a balance to it. We will all have balance, and that's what drives us a little, Meshuggah, gives us that little twist to life. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for all your right, question you so and for your comments. Thank you. We have Chaim. Chaim, you're on with Mordechai. Chayla. Chayla, 
How are you? Good. Um, I was just wondering if you're able to help me um, get more, get less, um, um, get less um, stressed out with all my tests and homework that I have. Sure. Let's see if we can help you with Siata Deshmaya. Okay. What do you feel when you got so many tests and homework to do? I just get very stressed out. I, I understood that. Why? What's the stress? What are your thoughts? The thoughts are that I have to do it perfect. The thoughts are that I'll make mistakes and people are going to laugh at me. The thoughts are that the teacher will be, won't like me if I skip out some homework. What are those thoughts? What do you go so stressed about? I just like to know the details, and it gives me a bad feeling when I don't um, get, like, a good mark or something. Ah, so you're focusing, a big part of you is about your mark, right? Yeah. Now, what happens if you focus on the mark, but not everything in life is about the marks? So let's give an example. Let's assume that to get a good mark, you have to study for two hours. And Hashem gave you that that week you should have a wedding and all you could study is a half hour. Do you think you're going to do well on that test? Depends if it's an easy test or a hard test. Oh, let's say it's a hard test. Um, I wouldn't think so. And how will you feel then? Um, I don't know. You'd probably, probably feel horrible. Right? Yeah. What would happen if you can realize that Hashem is teaching us all a lesson? We can't do everything perfect. Did you ever hear of Rebbe Kiva? Yeah. Do you know that Rebbe Kiva had 24,000 Talmidim, students, and then they were all Nifter, that's when we have the Lagba Eimer, except for five. If you were Rebbe Kiva, would you say, wow, I have now five Talmidim, and from there all of Klai Yisrael is going to know the Torah? Or will you be all depressed? But I had 24,000 and I'm down to zero, so I can't start again. What would you do? I'd probably say I should start again. That's, you would say yes to start again or you would say you can't? Um, I would try. I never tried it. Do you think you would have the strength if you don't do well on tests to try again or you're just going to... I would say that you might have a difficult time starting again. Because if you got to do things perfect, life isn't, can't be perfect. That's why Hashem made this world. It's not possible. How would you be able to be comfortable sometimes in life when we won't do well? And it's okay. And if there are good reasons, you can be proud that you did it for the right reason. Yes. Um, usually my teacher would make me do the test over, and then I would, ha I would probably study much more, and I would get like really stressed out. So... Right, that's what happens. So if you're going to push yourself more than you could, you'll get stressed. So stress is one of the ways our body is telling us we're doing too much. It's not healthy. Now, my question to you would be different. Would you be able to maybe discuss it with your parents? That your parents could, let's say, talk to the teacher and say, you know, we had a wedding this week. Or the most the teacher will tell you to study is a half hour, 45 minutes or an hour, but more than that's not healthy. That's the balance that parents, we need to teach our children. And part of the balance we want to teach them is not to go for perfectionists. Nissen, would you help me out with this? No, I'm just a little bit, uh, you know, overwhelmed here with the other stuff. So just, right. uh, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I cannot help you right now. Right, okay, all right. Because what I hear you saying is you're getting stressed because you got to do it perfect. 
But if you got to do it perfect, then you're going to fall down. Can't do it perfect. What are you going to do? Kyla? Yeah. What do you um, think? It's impossible. You're asking something that's impossible. You always want to do well on the test and always want to do well on your homework. And if you're not, then you get nervous and you get stressed. What do we do about that? Okay. Right is... I'm looking for an answer. you have any suggestions? I think you can make it easier for me. Either easier or how about you can let go. You don't have to do that well. Who said you got to get 100? Maybe a 90 is just as good. I did get 90 this year already. Why can't you get a 90? Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say 90 is that bad, but I got even lower than that. Oh, we know you got lower. We're talking about the stress here. How about being easy getting 90s and getting lower than that? It's about not needing to push yourself. What would you say is really going on there? I'll tell you, Chayla, maybe we'll try next week because it's a little bit... I'm not sure exactly what's the underlying issue. I assume that you're saying that it was the need for perfection, but I hear there might be something else there. All right, Chayla? Okay, thank, thank you. Thank you for calling in. You're so brave and powerful and keep on studying, but also give yourself a limit. We'll take from England. We'll take from England. Let's jump ahead. Okay. Hello from England. Hello, it's Shifi. Yes, Shifi. Um, I wanted to firstly thank you and everyone else who makes all your programs possible. I enjoy them a lot. I think the time is a bit late for me to point out the few things I found the most helpful. So can I go oh. to my question? Oh, go ahead. Point out one or two things. Let's see if you're up this late. Another minute or two. And uh, I like these little Hazaras, this little... Awareness, that's for me. Okay. Um, one of them is, um, I'll point out two. The first one is, first of all, that every time we say yes to someone, we at the same time say no to someone else. Ah, that's magnificent. And then if I'm saying yes for um, to help someone out, my kids might get the no or opposite. or Yes. Every, I see it in many things in life. And then the second thing I find the most um, very helpful is that, what was that? Oh, it's all about myself. Most of the things that people say or do that annoy me, it's really just because it triggers something in me. Oh, yes. Um, My two favorite concepts, and you've mentioned them. Thank you for picking up on those. Fantastic. Okay. Um, that's the truth. Um, and then for my question, okay, I've always loved to read. I've been reading from a very young age. Um, and what I've realized is that as a teenager, I, I read every single Holocaust book I can get my hands on, and I've read a lot on the Holocaust. And from... I don't remember exactly, but sometime around Machasano, maybe um, from when well, we had our first child. I don't remember exactly, but I, ca I can't read any anything related to the Holocaust or even just an article. Even if I hear someone say a story about the Holocaust, I'd rather like not be there, rather not listen to the details. Yeah. I'm just wondering if you would know why why that would sure happen. Sure, I know why. Let me teach you how I know why, because I know nothing without asking the person. So let me ask you first, what's your thought? Why, as a teenager, you read every single book, and then once you had your first child, you couldn't even read one little article? What would you think? Just a guess. Um, okay, so the first, 
I've thought about this before I asked you. Sure. Um, and the first thought that came to my mind was maybe because now it would mean so much more. Reading about families and kids, it's just much too sad for me now. And I know what, how important, like the importance of, of a family and how precious they are to people. That's right. So that was the first thing that came to my mind. But I think it's a bit stronger than that because when it comes to other things that happen nowadays, I also can't listen to the details, like when it comes to the terrorist attacks that have been happening. I, I, I can't hear anyone talking about it. Yeah. I'd rather like change the subject. So how about we try taking your question and now changing it a little? That means up until you had your first child, you were able to hear about tragedies or traumas and it didn't affect you personally. Once you had your first child and now you started feeling responsible, like to protect, to belong, to feel your vulnerability, something happens to you, what will happen to your child? Now there became all of a sudden a value, an extra value to your life, and now you're worried about that. Does that make more sense? Yes, definitely. Excellent. And now let's go to the next part. Since now you're feeling vulnerable, you're not feeling that safe because something happens to you, what will happen to your family? How can we give you the safety to feel that the Rabbani Shalom is the same Rabbani Shalom that was protecting you before is protecting you now? Well, the same way those families are, are going to survive and are going to thrive with the Rabbani Shalom watching them, same will be to your family. I don't want to say your family, the same will be to that family. What can give you the easy comfortability that Rabbi Shalom is the one taking care and you're safe? It's cute mm. that your baby is up this late as well. It almost sounds like my baby. This is why I'm up. Ah, so we had the honor of having you call in. <laughs> um, what would give me? Yeah, what would give you the safety to feel the Rabbi Shalom or whatever it is that you're safe and you're okay? And your family will be okay. Remember, we all are, we all put faith, we all have different places where we need to trust. I had someone that once had a fear and anxiety to drive because they said, what's dividing one side of the street to the other? Just two yellow lines. And they go, imagine some cars go 60 miles per hour, 70 miles per hour, opposite directions together, it's 120 miles per hour. And do you know what separates them? Two yellow lines. That's a trust issue, a safety issue to feel safe within. What can give you the safety that you are safe and your family is safe? It's a feeling, because we all know we only have the Rabbani Shalom, and we all know that we're not guaranteed for the next minute. Um, I don't know. Okay, I'll tell you, I hear the baby there, so it's harder for you to think. But that's the idea that we would be working on. So thank you for calling in. I think it's more like a trust issue that will be a right, that is... Is it, my question is also, is it okay, I know some people like to speak, see, are okay with talking about, like, the details. If something happens, they, they need to talk about the details. Could it be that it's just, I'm, I'm okay, it's not like I'm going around with anxiety. I'm okay just not knowing the details, and that's it. Again, not knowing details is okay. This seems like you're concerned, you're afraid to hear the details. Yeah, I am. And if you hear the details, then you're being affected, and that's already not healthy. Because part of life is we will be exposed to that. 
our children will uh -huh. be exposed <laughs> to some of that stuff. And what happens if they ask you a question? You'll be at a Shabbos table, a family right, table. Right, yeah, I would, I would not be very comfortable. That's right. I am having a slight emergency here with my baby, so I'm going to maybe call back again. Excellent, thank you. Okay, thank you, you very are. much. Certainly. Nechama, you're on with Mordechai and Isim. Oh, thank you so much for taking my call. My I, um, I called in two weeks ago. I was together with my daughter. She was having an issue with the public speaking. Yes. So I just really wanted to um, express appreciation and share the, um, the results. So we put down the phone, and she was actually the first time that she felt more relaxed about her public speaking, and I think I could even say she was a bit excited to do it. Yes. And she did a great job. I got the feedback from her teacher and principal, and they even said they couldn't believe that she would actually do the public speaking as well as she did. Fantastic. So, now, let me ask you, what do you feel, or what does she say contributed to that? Um, I think she just felt so good that she was able to break through. I mean, I don't know if you remember what a difficult oh, time she had. Oh, do I remember had very well. She didn't even want to whisper even in your one ear. Word and she, Still, we got her to whisper in your ear, and then we got her to right. talk, yes. Right, right. So she really wanted to, she wanted to, but she just couldn't do it. It's just like the words didn't come out. And once she was able to do that, she felt so good about it that she just got, had so much energy, and she just couldn't wait to do her public speaking. And she just came home feeling great about it. Excellent. Is she next to you by any chance? Yes, she is. Excellent. Is there any chance you would like to say it again on air? This is the reinforcement that we do to exposure therapy. It means once someone does it once, and if you don't follow up, it gets a little bit difficult. So is she first willing to whisper in your ear and say thank you? Are you willing to say thank you? In your first, yeah. see, could she She's willing it? to say right onto the phone. Great. Go ahead and hold on, and then just prepare her that when she's going to say thank you, just to tell us and the listeners what helped. But, so say you don't know. Just say it loud. First say thank you. And let's, let's talk two minutes. Let's see if we can get it. Thank you. You're very welcome. Now, I am very, very impressed. And I was very curious. And I also want you to know there are so many people that sent me messages how well I did, but especially how well you did. And they said it's amazing. I got several people telling me how their daughter also, they feel is so confident like you. But because they were afraid to start, like they're being held back, and they were all felt such hope for their daughters and for their sons, that there's they could really speak publicly, and they were really impressed and proud of you. So I want you to know, I got at least probably 10 to 15 messages of people telling me that they felt hope for their children. So could you believe it that you were able to do that? By you being brave enough, you had other mothers and fathers feel safe that their children will be able to speak publicly. Can you believe that? Yeah. <laughs> nice. Now, let me ask you, what did you talk about? How to make a bunny origami. Just say again, how to make a what? Bunny origami. A bunny origami. Could you tell me a little, what type of paper did you use? I took regular paper. Was it colored? No, plain white paper. Wow. And you were able to like make bunny ears and everything happened to it? Yeah. Wow. That, that would be nice. And were, did any of the girls try to do that after you? Like once you showed them how to make it, did any of them try to copy it? Yeah. How many people did it after you? The whole class. Wow, the whole class. Did any of them like what they did? Yeah. Wow. Did any of them tell you it was like so nice and so special? Yeah. Nice. Did any of the mothers, do you have any friends in your class? Like did the mothers told you, oh, wow, I saw what you made? 
No. No. Did anyone else give you comments from other girls from other classes? Not from other classes. Okay. Did you get comments, other comments from others? My teacher. Oh, what did your teacher say? She was very proud of me. Wow. What, what was she so proud of? What did she tell you? That I actually did it. Nice. And are you impressed you're able to be a second time on the radio and to do it? Yeah. Very impressive. You see how easy, how confident you sound very good. Listen, does she sound great? Yeah, very good. And you don't see the text uh, already. We got the text that... Uh... Here we go. Yeah, we got a, we got a text. Over here. I was wondering all this time how this girl did. So happy to hear it made a really huge difference by calling into your show. You see, people are... We got messages. I'm telling you, I got messages all the time about you. You're popular. Okay. Thank you. And would you have a recommendation for other girls that are embarrassed or afraid to speak? What would you tell them? To get help. Get help. What does that mean, get help? Should they stay stuck? Should they stay locked? Or should they practice and speak? Talk to someone. Yeah. Do you feel better that you can get it out now? Do you feel more confident that you can speak in general? Yeah. Yeah? Like, what do you feel easy? What do you feel different? feel free beautiful and with that i want to thank you for calling in and thank everyone for listening and merit hashem look forward to have another program with you merit hashem next week with our avnison thank you all and thank you to the rabbi nishleilam for giving us another wonderful fantastic week Hatzlacha. thank you Mordechai, and uh, first of all amen and i want to apologize to all the listeners that online we're really off the you know on the air and yeah. just uh, Thank you. Next week we'll get, you know, and thank you, Mordechai, and thank you to Ribbono Shalom. Amen. And thank you, my wife. Yes, and my wife too. And you were, yes. Good night, everyone. Good night.